Second Samuel chapter five. We'll we'll read the whole chapter. Yeah, we'll read the whole chapter. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning, for your word, for the truth found in it, for the lessons uh, that can be gleaned from it. Father, help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Second Samuel chapter five. And then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind and the lame will repel you, thinking David cannot come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. Now David said on that day, Whoever climbs up by the way of the water shaft and defeats the Jebusites, the lame and the blind who were hated by David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Therefore they say, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. Then David dwelt in the stronghold and called it the city of David. And David built all around from the millow to the uh, uh, and inward. So David went on and became great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Then Hiram king of Tyre sent messages to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had come from Hebron, and also more sons and daughters were born to David. Now these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, Eliphelet. Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them there. And, then, and he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. And they left this, their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again, and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, and he said, You shall not go up. Circle around behind them, and come up. Then come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be, when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you and strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him. And he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as, uh, as far as Giza. Amen. Amen. So we uh, we mentioned last week that 
the you know the the hypocrisy of the people of Israel when in the first part of this chapter 5 they you know it says that all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron you know they sent obviously sent representatives they not every single person in Israel went but they sent representatives over to David to acknowledge him as king and then to anoint him as king but they make a confession saying that we knew all along that you were the rightful ruler of Israel. So therefore we're going to make you king. But they only did that at the death of Ishbosheth in the previous chapter. Uh, Abner propped Ishbosheth up to be king of 11 of the tribes. Right, eleven. Yeah, eleven of the tribes, and David was acknowledged and anointed king of Judah in chapter two. And but throughout this entire period, which chapter five, verse five says was seven years and six months. That's when he was in Hebron. He reigned over Judah. During that time, the other tribes of Israel in their hearts, knew that David was the rightful king, but would not anoint him or acknowledge him as king, but they sided with Saul and Saul's offspring, uh, Ishbosheth. So, I mean, the application is they knew what was right, but did the wrong thing anyway. And we made comment last week that that's something that we need to guide ourselves from is knowing what's wrong, what's right and wrong, and then doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. Because we, we see that, you know, we have that hypocrisy in not just the world. We see that in the world all the time, but even more, not even more so, but even so in the church, we see it. Knowing that something is wrong and doing it anyway, knowing what the right thing to do and is and not doing it. And that's just spiritual hypocrisy. And we need to be guarded against that because when we do that, we're really making choices based on our own desires, right? Whatever we want, not whatever is right. The goal is that what we want and what is right to be the same. And that is a lifelong process. It says in the New Testament that that God will give us all the desires of our heart when those desires of our heart are the right thing. Another thing is that this division, which really was like a civil war in Israel, um, is a division that continues. And actually, it's kind of confusing sometimes in the Bible whether they're talking about that when there's you know there's a distinction made between Judah and Israel. That sometimes even you know the the scholar gets you know confused. I get it confused all the time and have to make sure I'm reading it right. But there's this division that occurs here and then continues on through Scripture when. Not through, through through the Old Testament, where where 
Judah and Israel are divided. The the southern two tribes, which is Judah and Benjamin, and then the northern ten tribes. Judah and Benjamin are referred to as Judah, and the northern ten tribes referred to as Israel. Right? Am I getting that right so far? Okay. That's it's, that's at, at the at the uh, the 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 lowest level. Uh, I guess the best way to understand it. Israel are the northern ten tribes, right, right. And then Judah is southern. Judah and Benjamin. Yeah. It doesn't happen until Rehoboam. Right. Doesn't happen until Rehoboam, but that division. Whatever that attitude is, that uh, yes. that underlying attitude, it continues. It, it existed. It exists. Right. right. It exists right here. Exactly. And and it's significant <laughs> that this is the beginning stages of it. Yes. Could you review why they separated north and south? Um, we'd have to move forward into you say Rehoboam, right, brother Marty? Yeah, David's grandson. <clears throat> Solomon dies, but, but, but you know there was still like we see here partisanship even yeah. before. But you know we say the southern two tribes, but Simeon, if you look on your map, Simeon is actually below it. Is below Judah and is and is cut off. I mean their connection mm-hmm. is through uh, Judah, mm-hmm. Simeon's, because mm-hmm. the Philistines were on the west. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know how that. Uh, but we always just—it's always we always talk yeah. about it like the southern, southern two yeah. and the northern ten, right? Yeah, right. yeah. But it's good to remember Simeon yeah. was down there, right? Yeah, because Simeon's uh, south of Judah. I think you know you kind of see the beginnings of this back in what first Samuel. You know these these uh, tribal disputes and judges. You know, I'll through the judges. Probably yeah, through the judges. Yeah, the judges were you know, after him get all. Yeah, that uh, you know that they didn't right. give him a personal invitation. They get all the glory. Yeah, yeah. Six months ahead of time, and, and they get all upset. So there's always been these dissensions amongst the tribes. And see what what tribe was getting Manasseh. Abiezer was a descendant of Manasseh. Joshua seventeen two. But, uh, yeah, Judges 6, 13. My Lord grew it, shall I have. So I saved Israel, behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. And I'm the least of my father's house. Mm-hmm. So he's from up north, too. Nevertheless, there was still these terrible disputes as, as you know, the battles would go on. But going back to David, what do you make of. Uh, Chapter, you know, verse, chapter 5, verse 3. David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So that's the third time that David was anointed. Uh-huh. What do you make of that? Well, they say third time's a charm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, God recognizes him back in First Samuel as. Uh, as the next king, as the, the Lord's anointed. Mm-hmm. Then when Saul dies, Judah recognizes him as king. 
And now in chapter, I think everybody recognizes him as king, but they're not officially going to anoint him because Ishbosheth has been um, set up by Abner as to, to be the king. But I mean, I think chapter five is is telling because they all say that that uh, you, they all recognize you shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. They all knew it, mm-hmm. but you know their own their own you know, sinful desires, their own choices. They they wanted to make their right. own choice. Well, I think it's the same, very similar to you know the uh, King of Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows. He's going to reign, but who's going to stand up and say he's my king? Mm-hmm. He's king here and now, mm-hmm. right here, right now, in the midst of a bunch of enemies. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm looking at like that David was anointed three times. Right. Some say Christ was anointed three times. Okay. Well, was the first Well, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> well, the two Marys. Yes. And then. When you said that uh, about my king, remember that brother that uh, did that message? He's my king. Oh, yeah. Which brother was that? He's my king. (laughs) He's my king. I could probably look on YouTube for that one. Didn't he say he's my king? I can't remember what what it was, uh, the message was called. Is it what? Oh, that's my king. Yeah, that's my king. You found it? You never heard that? I probably have. Yeah, he d- he does it uh, with a cadence, uh-huh. you know, and, and runs through the whole life of the Lord. It's pretty good. Well, I mean, this this is, this is unites Israel under the king. And mm-hmm. if we're looking to make, you know, a contrast or comparison, because there's contrast here for sure. But uh, comparison, it, it won't be till a future day when Israel will again be united under the true king. But at, when Absalom comes, they follow him. Mm-hmm. Then the fellow after Absalom, the northern tribes, you know, for a brief moment uh, in chapter 20, follow him. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, and there happened to be a man... Abelial, his name was Sheba, the son of Bichri, of Benjamin, he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither mm. have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. Oh, every man to his tents, O oh, Israel. Mm. So every man of Israel went up from after David and followed Sheba, the son of Bichri. Mm. Yeah. And the men of Judah claim unto their king from Jordan to Jerusalem. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's not too hard to, to just, you know. Usually, you know, things are not perfect in any kingdom, so it's usually not too hard to whip up a rebellion, <laughs> right? Against the current king, it's uh-huh. his fault, after all. Yeah. Right. It's his fault. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to yeah. whip up a rebellion. Yeah. Particularly when the, when the king has collected taxes, and they're like Solomon. <laughs> Solomon did. Yes. Who was it that? Uh, it was Rehoboam. Yeah, Rehoboam. Right yeah, yeah, he doubled, guys, doubled it. They, yeah. they murdered him. Yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, they killed the tax collector. Yes, they that's, killed that's the tax why collector. Getting, that's why they exactly. want to get him guns. So Rehoboam kind of backed off about he didn't send any more tax collectors out. 
What was that last comment? That's why they want to give yeah, him that's guns. Why they want to give guns. But yeah, <laughs> they weren't they weren't armed, evidently. Yeah. Right? So now we're gonna have armed guns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so the IRS, the so IRS is it, like thirty thousand. Yeah, it's a, it, in the city. Yeah, they could hire everybody in Brawley. Yeah, still need the more. the internal Ray of Ohm service. Is that what it is? <laughs> <Yeah>. IRS. <laughs> well, anyway, same thing. in like in the end, I mean, it's just even in the millennium when everything is perfectly righteous, the earth is flourishing like more than the Garden of Eden. Things are as good as they can get on this planet. And the devil whips up a rebellion just in a moment. At the end of a thousand years. That's just amazing. Rebellion is sinners. Oh, yeah. <coughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, so there'll be outward, you know, uh, obedience and inward rebellion until, the, you know, until Satan comes in. So, so there'll, there'll be nothing to complain about in in the sense of your circumstances, except well, in a right way. In, in, yeah, except the, in the unrest within your soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, but there'll be this hatred brewing in people's hearts for you know, hundreds of years, maybe a thousand years. Yeah, because maybe they want to change their gender, and that's not allowed. Right. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It could possibly be. Yeah. Oh, for sure, it's, it's not going to be allowed. Oh no, the, the, the possible that they'd want to. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they won't take your kids. So I mean, there's definitely David definitely represents Christ. He's a type of Christ. Yeah. But as we see in this chapter, you know, we have to distinguish that David is still a man and just a type. And not the Christ, because for all the good and for all the um, ways that he typifies Christ, he mm -hmm. typifies man, uh, you know, just as much. Yep. Because he, you know, he unites Israel under under his head, um, and then sets up, uh, you know, captures Jerusalem that we read, and. It says that, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is, the city of David. That's the first mention of the word Zion here in, in the Bible. And sets up Jerusalem as headquarters, which is in line with Jehovah, because that's, uh, according to his purposes, that's headquarters. We read that through the Psalms. But just as he, as much as he typifies that and is in line with uh, the Lord's ways, you know, he's got the flesh still within him because even when he takes the city, well, he does two, two things that, that aren't very good. One is he makes this rash oath and says, whoever goes in and takes this and takes, um, Jerusalem, he shall be chief and captain. And who is it that does that? We talked about this last week, but it was Joab. You know, you gotta you gotta, you gotta read the the parallel passage in First Chronicles eleven. And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jebus, 
where the Jebusites were and the inhabitants of the land. But the inhabitants of, of Jeba said to David, You shall not come in here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. Now David said, Whoever attacks the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. And Joab, the son of Zeru, Zeru, Zeruiah, went up first and became chief. Then David dwelt in the stronghold, therefore called the city of David. So he makes this rash oath, and because he says, Whoever does it first is going to be chief and captain. Joab, we know Joab. We know what Joab's about. He seizes that opportunity, and he becomes chief and captain, and David has to honor his oath. And, uh, and we know that Joab's not a, not a good dude. In fact, David himself realizes this, but he's bound by his oath. And we've, we, you know, we've been going through First, Second Samuel. We've already seen examples of bad, you know, rash vows and oaths that people have made. I mean, we just talked about the, uh, oh man, what's his name? The one, the one who said, whoever comes out of my house first, uh, Jephthah, right? And, 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 you know, because of his rash vow, you know, commits his daughter to a life of celibacy. So, what's that? This is very good. Yeah. So. It was very good that you had that view. Yeah. So, oh, right, right. Well, you know, I'm only going to present one. We won't talk about the second one. But, but I mean, this is, I mean, you make a rash decision. Don't consult God. There's consequences. And and David's got consequences here. You you know, just, you mentioned that. I mean, when we went through Judges, we, we saw in the very first chapter of all the... Canaanite tribes that they, the different tribes did not drive out. Yes. And uh, in chapter 1, verse 21, the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin mm-hmm. in Jerusalem under this day. Mm-hmm. Now, David was uh, uh, from Bethlehem, which is only like three miles away. So he grows up three miles away from these Jebusites that, you know, are holding Jerusalem. Right. And, and uh, the whole reign of Saul, they're allowed to remain there. It's, it's pretty amazing that right in the heart of, you know, really right. God's chosen uh, right, right, right. place, Jerusalem, yep. that the yep. Jebusites maintain control. Mm-hmm. That was in chapter 1 of Judges? J- Judges 1 and verse uh, 20, uh, uh, 19. Oh, no. Uh, 21. 21. 21. I think it had to do with uh, logistics. You know, they had evidently food and water, but they had a high, you know, high ground and were able to uh, keep that, defend that, and run that. Well, obviously it wasn't impossible to, to, to take it, right? Because yes, right. With intention, yes, right. Mm-hmm. So they just let the enemy live there. Yes, mm-hmm. see, I, I, it's a great example. It's a great, it's a mm-hmm. great, great picture. I mean, I think at the top of our government, where man, some of the, you know, worst. We have this the freest country in the world, the richest, wealthiest country in the world, and the very, very top. <coughs> so we have some of the most wicked folks that uh, stay in control. How do we? You know, couldn't, uh, you know, uh, change that, but 
Yeah, well, there's definitely consequences for that for not driving the enemies out. We look when we look through <laughs> Judges, what happens when they didn't follow God's command to drive them out? They became part of that culture, and I mean, mm-hmm. even till yeah. day when David has to take Jerusalem, this whole time, the Jebusites have inhabited Jerusalem, and it's not until David comes along and follows that command and drives them drives them out. So he does mention he did two things. One was that rash vow that he makes and now he's stuck with Joab as chief and captain. But it makes this comment which is very unbecoming of David. He says that the lame and the blind who are hated by David's soul you know, we just talked about how David typified Christ. But then you read something like that and you see how much he, you know, he was still the man of the flesh. Well, the flesh still dwelled within him. Because when you look through, uh, in like the book of Matthew, I can think of a couple of examples where Jesus says the exact opposite about the lame and the blind. In fact, when he when he comes in and cleanses the temple, it tell it says that the that all that were, that came up to him, the lame and the blind, he mm-hmm. healed. Mm-hmm. And then at at the uh, at the um, I think it's it's the parable of the wedding feast, Matthew twenty one maybe or twenty twenty one. But he, uh, what he what he does is he invites the lame and the blind to the to the feast, and here you've got David. Yeah, th- yeah, that's the one. And uh, do you know where that is? Twenty one, twenty two. No, maybe it's not twenty two. See in uh, in uh, Living Translation, verse eight. Back back in chapter five, Second Samuel. Uh-huh. Verse, uh, well, verse 6. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites who riddled inhabitants of the whole of the land who were living there. And the Jebusites taunted David, saying, You never get in here. Even the blind lame can keep you out. But the Jebusites thought they were safe. But, verse 7, uh, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. Verse 8. On the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those. Lame and blind Jebusites. Oh, that's the way that they. <clears throat> but David was, uh, you know, he was challenged yeah. by these Jebusites, <clears throat> and I think that took him out of a sensitivity to the Lord's will. Yeah, and you know, and making the vow and all. I mean, he he was upset. He just, you know, his macho village is going to take him down. Ego. Well, why is it different? 
Yeah, that's right. You're right. You'll never get any, even the blind and lame could keep you out. Yes. Yeah. To defend us. Right. right. Well, what he hated really with what you what you read was they hated the lame and the blind Jebusites. Right. Yes, right. Exactly. Same people. Right. Object, same people. Yes. The Jebusites are saying the lame and blind can keep you out. David's saying, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Yeah, but, I, but it's, it's, it's all his ego stirred up. Yes. It seems. Luke yes. 1421. Yeah. yeah, Luke 14.21 says, uh, So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets, into the lanes, into the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. I was just making that comparison that, you know, there's always a place for the lame and the blind mm-hmm. in, yeah. in, in, in Jesus' house. But, mm-hmm. you know, this ego stood up, David, you know, it says that he hates the lame and the blind. Therefore, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So we just got to keep it, keep David separate. You know, he, that, that there are times where he pictures Christ and there's, there's times when we see the flesh come out. Like we can't say here that, you know, that in this situation he's typifying Christ because he's the antithesis to Christ with that attitude. I mean, he's also, I mean, we see him outside of the will of God when he takes more concubines and wives from Jerusalem in verse 13. Yeah, verse 12. Yeah, verse 12. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king of Israel and he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, we see a little bit of ego in that too and, and maybe. But, I mean, you could read that two ways that, that you know, that's got to David's head. Or that he's recognizing that that the kingdom's not for him, it's for the sake of his people, Israel. That's what it says. And that's why he takes more concubines? No, I mean, that's not why. Not why. But it, but the concubine verse does come right after that. I'm saying, I'm saying I know, what were you going to say about uh, verse 12? What that, what that means? Gonna, here he's got a place of privilege that grace has given him. And yes. he shall, shall set a Shall we sin that grace may abound? Yeah. You know, he he becomes complacent. Yeah. Paul said in Philippians 4 that he knew how to be abased and how to be and how to abound. So here's a man, he's abounding, and he goes out of the way. You know, Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing. After Daniel, God gives him the vision, uh, and then Daniel interprets it. Next thing you know, he's making this, you know, monstrous golden, you know, idol. Right. You know, I mean, it's all about sinful flesh and the carnality of pride of life. I mean, why would the Holy Spirit place those two verses right, right. You know, next to each other? Right, well, I thought that, but then when I read the last pit part of verse 12, it says it's almost like David is acknowledging that the, the, exalted, the kingdom has been exalted for the sake of his people, Israel. Yeah. Well, that's, isn't that true? It is true. Well, then, but, what is, so what is verse 13? Well, I'm saying that that maybe when you read that, you th- you that David David's attitude is not uh, in the wrong place; it's in the right place because he realizes that the that kingdom's been exalted for his people, not for David to do as he pleases. 
So you don't think 13, David's doing as he pleases? No, I do. I do think David's doing as he pleases. Oh. I'm just saying that... Because the, the, the Deuteronomy 17 forbid what he's doing. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. David, yeah, and David knows that, no doubt. But again, making his own choices. But, but it's the same for all of us. You know, I mean, when was when did David, you know, he writes so many of these psalms when Saul mm-hmm. is chasing him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great distress. Yeah. And and you see that in your own life, I see my life, you know, when whatever the pressure might be, wherever it might be from, yeah. there's an attentiveness, right. you know, it, because you know you have to be dependent upon the Lord. Now, if, the, if things start, you know, getting too, too happy, you know, in your life, then... You can easily, mm-hmm. right? Know, yeah, the great the the greater test is abounding. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Does anyone know anything about Shemua or Sh- and Shobab? Those are the the first two names listed in in the the children born to his concubines. I don't think I don't think we know anything about those two, but but the next two we do Nathan and Solomon, right? Because salt from Solomon's line comes. Um, is it Mary or Joseph? Solomon's line? That would be Joseph. It's Joseph. Yeah. And so and then from Nathan's Nathan. line comes Mary. Mary. Yes. So you have both Mary and Joseph in the Davidic line, mm-hmm. which is significant. Because it gives the uh it gives Christ the right place. And I don't think we know anything about those other names. Unless someone knows different. But I like that the spirit doesn't hide from the facts. And like we mentioned last week when we were maybe a couple of weeks ago, when we were discussing um, David and Jonathan's relationship and we went down a rabbit trail of possibilities that just because it's recorded, it's recording the facts. It's not recording God's approval. Mm-hmm. So the fact that David has these wives mm-hmm. and that the Bible has is recorded in the Bible in God's word. It doesn't mean that God's approving of it, but God doesn't hide mm-hmm. David. Because if imagine that that the Bible hid the fact that David had ten kids with with ten concubines, and it came out later through you know secular history, secular um, right. papers. That David had these kids with outside of marriage, and then you know he had five, six wives. You know what? What do you think the naysayers would say about that? I mean, think about the bombshell it would be for for the Christian to find out that 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 yeah. David's life was not as good as right. it was reported because his life in a different exactly he just left out the bad things. Yeah, exactly. Yes, same thing with the Gospels. Right. And the disciples. Right. You, you should read First Chronicles 3 and verse 5 because those children are all Bathsheba. Yeah, the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. The first okay. Right. I, I mean, I was kind of exaggerating with the ten wives, ten kids. This is a reference, First Chronicles 3 5, and these were born unto him in Jerusalem, Shimea and Shoba. Uh, Nathan and Solomon for Bathsheba. Uh-huh. So, so I mean, it's significant in that both the line of Mary and the line of Joseph, mm-hmm. you know, both come from Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. 
which I mean is significant in that you know we know the origins of their relationship. Yeah. And you talk about you know grace abounding over sin. Yeah. Wow. Right. And the Bible not hiding from it. God's yeah, word but, not, but it, not, but it's not. It's not hiding from it, but at the same time, it's like you know gives it as the truth without highlighting it. Right. It's not highlighted. Right. You know, like with Rahab, for instance, not highlighted with Bathsheba. Right. You know, that uh, she was the mother of, of, of both lives. Right. I think that's pretty interesting. You know, I think it's almost fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> almost. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Most, most, you know, you normally don't think about that, that Bathsheba not only the mother of Solomon, because you get that in Matthew 1. Mm-hmm. She was the mother of Nathan. Right. Oh. So then you've got that, you know, David stepping outside the ways and will of God. But then very in the very next portion, when he's uh, he's seeking the Lord's counsel on how to defeat the Philistines. So he seeks, seeks his counsel in that matter, but you know he's definitely not seeking God's counsel in, when he's taking these concubines. So I'm just, I just say that to say, you know, it's good to keep, every, you know, things separate. Well, it's one thing to seek, you know, God's counsel when the Philistines have, you know, laid out this huge army in front of them. Yeah, that's what <laughs> we're just saying. Yeah. And the pressure. The pressure's right. on. Exactly. And all of a sudden he's seeking God, you know, and when everything's good. What are be called is uh, all these concubines and wives together and told them to pray? <laughs> I, I don't think he did. Yeah? I don't think <laughs> I think you'd probably try to keep those separate. My guess. Well, he was a spiritual guy. I mean, whether he's in the cave of Adullam with all those misfits or, you know, with his family, you got to believe he, you know, didn't switch. you can't switch on and off a well, spiritual. Spirit, a spiritual well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he probably kept the women separate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as much as possible. Well, we're out of time. Michael, you want to pray for us real quick?